0: Welcome back to another episode of the 1% Life Podcast. I'm your host, Coach JT. This information is for educational and informational purposes only and is solely a self-help tool for your own use. I'm not providing medical, psychological, fitness, or nutrition therapy. You should not use this information to diagnose or treat any health problem or illness without consulting your own medical practitioner. As always, results of any kind will vary based on each person's unique circumstances, capacity, and work ethic. I've been training consistently for 30 years of my life, three decades. The last time I remember not working out, I was a teenager. All of my adult life, I've been working out. I actually added up the hours the other day, average of two hours a day. And there's been times that I worked out for 45 minutes and there's times that I worked out for four hours. So two hours a day, five days a week, it's almost two full years in the gym. And the vast majority of the time that I've worked out over the last three decades has been spent doing heavy strength training. Now, I've done all kinds of other stuff. I've done cardio and obstacle course races and trained for marathons and sports specific stuff and rehab stuff and mobility and flexibility and hit training and all kinds of other stuff. But by and large, the vast majority of what I've done has been heavy strength training and it still is. I probably do more different things now in terms of flexibility work and mobility work and keeping joints healthy and cardio conditioning and running every day and things like that that I ever have. But it's still the minority of what I do. The majority is still heavy strength training. And I remember the first time I ever picked up weights, I was 17 years old. I actually traded a skateboard for it when I was 17 years old and got a little set of dumbbells. And I wasn't consistent at 17 years old. I'd go a month and not do anything. And then I'd get a bug and I'd do it for two or three days in a row. But I noticed every single time I did it, I always felt better. I felt stronger mentally and physically. Chest held a little higher. Just felt better about myself. Until I was 20 years old and then I started working out. That's when I was consistent. And I didn't start lifting for all the reasons that we're going to talk about today. It was one reason. I wanted to be big. I didn't want to be the little kid anymore. I didn't want to be picked on anymore. I didn't want to feel inferior anymore. In my mind, that would solve it all. So I literally quit my job on the fire department and started working at a gym full time when I was 20. And it turned out to be one of the single best decisions I've ever made for myself in my entire life. Hands down for my self-esteem, my career, my mindset, my self-discipline, my body, my health. All of it changed because of it. But most of the things that we're going to talk about today weren't even known 30 years ago. Heck, 30 years ago, steroids were still legal. Joe Weider was the man. Bodybuilding was still kind of healthy. There was only one or two kinds of protein powder. And then anybody that's been in the game for a really long time remembers EAS, Bill Phillips, Myaplex, Body for Life Challenge, back in the, the early 90s, 92, 93. But this was pre-internet, pre-cell phones. Any info I could get my hands on was from magazines, libraries, food labels. I actually called a couple of universities, went and drove up and saw some professors and made copies of Research they were doing on creatine monohydrate. It was when that first started coming out. Early 90s. But how many people do you know that work out for the same exact reason that I started? Still today. Every day. Have for years. They want to change the way they look. And don't think about all the other benefits. Don't know the other benefits. Some are getting them accidentally. You could change some of the things you're doing and get more. So that's what I want to focus on today. All the other reasons, the known benefits of strength training, the ones people don't talk about, the science-based stuff, the medical-based stuff, anecdotal stuff, statistics. And then I'm going to give you my advice on how much I think you should be doing, how often you should be doing it, and I'm going to tell you what my top 12 favorite exercises are of all times, the one that I've, I've done forever and the ones that I will continue to do forever. As long as I'm working out, they'll be part of my routine. So as we get older, we know things change. Guys, anybody that's listening to this that's in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, we know hormones change. Starts happening when you're about 30 years old. What we used to do doesn't work anymore. I used to get away with murder. I used to eat whatever I wanted and I stayed lean. Had no problem gaining muscle mass. And most men and women start losing white fiber muscle mass that we'll talk about a little bit more at a pretty rapid rate after 30 years old. I mean, how many 60-year-olds do you see that are muscular or 70-year-olds <laughs> or 80-year-olds? It's rare. It's rare to see a 55-, 60-year-old muscular person. People call it normal aging, but it's a choice. You don't have to lose it. There's going to be some degradation over time. You're not going to you know, be a 250-pound bodybuilder and keep that until you're 90. But most people I know don't want to be that anyway. At my heaviest, I get up to 270, 275 pounds. As I sit right now, I'm about 209, 210. Lean, still muscular, great cardio conditioning, and trying to worry about health. Right? Those things start to matter more as we get older. When I was younger, I didn't care. I just wanted to be big, and my health was not even on the radar. But the average 30-year-old person starts losing muscle mass at 8 to 10% per decade. It's called sarcopenia. And it continues. It doesn't get better lose 25 to 40% by age 70, 50 to 70% by 90. I mean, by 60, there's statistics that show that dexterity gets so bad that basic stuff is hard or impossible for people now, right? Like opening jars or swinging a hammer or using a pair of pliers. How many people do you know that are in their 50s, 60s, 70s that like can't grip stuff like they used to be able to grip stuff? There was a recent study that combined 16 different studies. It ended up being like 1.5 or 1.7 million people that found that strength training had a direct correlation to all-cause mortality. 25% lower risk of dying from anything. Cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, lung cancer, you name it. And you can find studies like this all day long. And they all say the same exact thing. The more muscle mass you have, the stronger you are to a degree, the lesser your risk of dying from some type of chronic disease. Lean muscle mass matters. White fiber muscle mass in particular, fast twitch, that's what begins to degrade. It's not, the, it's not the red fibers. So the info that I'm going to talk about today isn't just for the 25-year-old guy that wants to get jacked. It's for everybody, every age, every demographic, every goal. Every single person on the planet should be lifting heavy weights, period. I'm going to address the women that are worried about getting bulky. Don't worry, you're not. Especially not by accident. So the first thing we'll do is we're going to talk about the top six benefits beyond appearance. Right? We know there's the appearance benefit. It's why most people work out in the first place. They want to look good. They want to have abs. They want to have better arms. They want to have a big chest. You know, guys want to look good in the mirror. You know, not enough to do legs, They'll just wear pants. So the first one we're going to talk about is overall strength. When I say overall strength, I mean overall strength, not just your biceps, not just your shoulders. But think about this you can't pick up a heavy weight and not use multiple muscle groups. You're always using abs, low back, obliques, stabilizing muscles, secondary muscles, or you, could, you couldn't stand upright. If you picked up the barbell to do a 100 pound curl and you didn't engage a bunch of other muscle groups, you'd just tip over. All of that leads to better balance, all of that leads to better core strength, better stability. Better overall strength. I mean, look at just basic stuff that we do. Over the past month, I've done all kinds of normal stuff that people who start to lose strength are unable to do anymore. Things that I would just consider normal that I don't think about. I've moved mattresses. I've carried new furniture. I got wood from Home Depot. Building a new cold plunge. Unloaded that whole thing by myself. 86-inch TV. All these heavy, bulky, weird, odd items that I'm plenty strong enough to lift and I don't even think about it. I just move them around. But this is how people get hurt every day. This is doing those things is where people get hurt 99% of the time. It's not in the gym doing curls. It's too controlled. Or they don't work out at all and they lose the ability to do any of it, which leads to the next thing, which is reduced risk of injury. Functional strength. This is also a a major cause of disability as people get older. I see people in their 40s, 50s, especially 60s and 70s that are on disability. People starting as young as like 40 years old, 10 years younger than me are on disability. How many 25 to 30 year olds do you see on disability? It's not many, right? It's before you start losing all that muscle mass, before it starts to degrade, before hormones start to change, before you've had time to, you know, let aging set in and not take care of it. Being strong just reduces the likelihood of injuries, period. Things like hurt backs from a weak core, super common. Torn shoulders from something freaking simple. You know, reaching back and putting your kid's seatbelt on the back seat. I know people that have torn muscles doing that. I had a good friend that got hurt moving 20 pounds of pavers in his 40s. Picked up pavers, turned to set them down to the right, And jacked his back up, and that was three or four years ago. He's still not right. But he doesn't work out. He doesn't lift. He's not doing any heavy strength training. Hasn't for years and years, ever, really, consistently. Someone I used to be associated with, same thing. Constantly tearing stuff, injured all the time. It's his foot, or it's his ankle, or it's his back. Breaking things, pulling things, straining things. But he doesn't do any heavy lifting. He's a vegetarian. All he does is run and he recently had what I would consider to be a pretty mild fall from a couple of feet and had a severe injury, surgery, lots of time off. But he'll tell you he's super fit. He does a lot of cardio. He eats the way he thinks is clean. But he's not doing any heavy lifting. His bones are brittle, his ligaments and tendons aren't strong. Right? I recently strained my back doing deadlifts. End of the set. I could have just walked it in and set it up like I was supposed to and I didn't. I just got sloppy. Just lifted it out away from my midline core and put it back and immediately felt a pull in my low back. Hard strain. And I stopped. Done with my workout. I knew better than to keep going. If anybody's ever had an injury like that, your body temperature changes. like My face got hot and I immediately felt different. But adrenaline in the middle of your workout, you don't really know how bad it is, but you know that if you feel it then, you better stop. So I did. And it jacked my back up. But for 14 days, that was it. It got better progressively every day. Now it's stronger. I don't even know that it happened. But I can tell you this. If one of those other two people I just mentioned had the same injury with the same weight, they'd have been hospitalized. Functional strength matters. It's how we live our life. Wheelbarrows full of stuff in the backyard, moving yard debris, You know, storm comes through Panama City Beach and you're cutting trees and moving logs and doing all kinds of functional things. If you don't have that strength, you ain't doing it or you're getting hurt trying to do it. And then the very last piece of this is going to be neuromuscular coordination. The mind-muscle connection you hear people talk about. It exists. Basically, the coordination between your nervous system and your muscles. Again, especially as we age, this becomes a bigger and bigger deal. You don't use it, you lose it leads to falls, drops, misstep. How many people do you know that, you know, they walk out and they they step wrong off a stair and they fall and they break their hip or they break their shoulder or they tear or strain something and, you know, they're in a boot and then they become more and more sedentary and it just continues to go downhill. It seems normal to see old people that can't get around. They can't move well. They can't go upstairs. They got to use a cane. They just get frail and fragile as they get older. And we just write it off. It's just because he's older. It's not because he's older. It's the accumulative effect of neglect. He's not been taking care of it. He's not been doing it. Guys, as we get older, this becomes more and more and more important in your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And if you really want to prevent it in your teens and 20s and 30s and 40s, you'll be picking up heavy weights. Guys and girls both. So the second thing that I've got is joint, ligament, and tendon strength. It's really kind of three parts to this. The first thing that you need to know is that lifting heavy is the only thing that provides enough stress to the ligaments, tendons, and connected tissue to do them any good. 70 plus percent of your max. So let's talk about that for a second. I'll talk about it a little bit more. 70 plus percent of your max will be defined as this. Let's say that I can pick up a barbell and I can curl 100 pounds for one or two reps, max effort. 70% of that. It takes that much weight... To strain the ligaments and tendons and connective tissue enough to get them to adapt. Consistent lifting leads to load adaptation. Ligaments and tendons adapt to the load patterns of you lifting the same consistently day in and day out. Just improves the resilience. Period. Again, reduced risk of injury. And then there's another piece that people don't think about. It's called synovial fluid production. You ever when you get to the gym and you feel stiff? But after you do three or four sets of, you know, side lateral raises or curls or squats or whatever, you just feel, you know, you feel like you're warmed up. That's synovial fluid. Lifting weights increases the production of it, nourishes and lubricates joints. And then the next piece of this is bone density. And this one is huge. As you get older, your bones should not become brittle. They should get stronger and stronger and stronger. When you're 70, 80 years old, your bones should be like concrete. It's the best way to improve bone density, hands down. Nothing even comes close. Nothing you can eat or do or take medically, especially, is going to lead to better bone density. How bones become more dense are micro cracks and calcification and adaptation. So when you lift heavy, basically what you do is you create these little fine micro cracks. So imagine grabbing a stick that's green and just bending it until you start to hear it tear, start to hear it you know, crack just a little bit and then you stop and you let it repair itself. That repair is calcification in your bones and that's stronger than the bone was initially. And you do it again and again and again and again and your bones become hard as concrete. You're not going to fall and break an arm or fall and break a hip unless it's a really violent injury, but it's not going to be a simple thing. Not falling one foot, not just tipping over, not falling out of a chair, not stepping wrong off a stair and breaking your ankles which leads to osteoporosis prevention. Guys, 30 minutes, three days a week reduces the risk of osteoporosis by 70 to 75%. Think about that. 70 to 75% reduction picking up heavy weights 30 minutes, three days a week. It's not that much. We've known this since the 60s or 70s. This is not new data. Heck, when I was selling health club memberships in the 90s, I used to use this statistic on ladies especially. And then it also reduces mineral deficiencies in your bones. So it helps them uptake minerals to be stronger. Benefit after benefit after benefit. Now this next one people really love is one of the ones that gets a lot of people to go and do strength training after I tell them the statistic. And it's higher BMR. More lean muscle mass equals a higher BMR. Means more calories burned 24-7, 365 doing anything. Sitting in your butt, lifting, sleeping, working, whatever. You're burning more calories because... Muscle mass burns three times more calories than fat. So if I've got more muscle mass and less fat, my whole entire body is burning more calories doing anything, sitting and watching Netflix, working out, running, lifting, whatever. Then it would be if I was the same weight with a higher body fat percentage. just why you can't tell people generic things to eat. You know, one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Well, body weight's not body weight. I don't need to feed the fat. It's the reason that generic nutrition doesn't work. And your, your body is better at storing glucose. It's got more room to put it. That's where the majority of glucose resides in your body. Glycogen is inside muscles. So especially if you're eating carbs, you've got more room to store it. Your insulin sensitivity changes. Reduction of type 2 diabetes because you've got more room to put it and your body is more efficient at putting it there. And it just all leads to more efficient fat loss. Enhances your body's ability to use fat as a fuel source. And then if you combine that with low-carb nutrition, fat-adapted diet, you're golden. That's how people get and stay lean, maintain lean muscle mass, stay healthy, reduce inflammation, have incredible energy. It's how I'm doing it. At 50 years old, it's how I stay lean. It's how I stay muscular. It's how I stay fit. My energy, my hormones, how I feel so good. Which leads me to hormone release. Heavy strength training in particular is one of the only exercises that triggers the release of anabolic hormones. And when I say anabolic hormones, I'm talking about testosterone, HGH or human growth hormone and IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor. All of those are involved in fat metabolism, muscle mass, strength, uh, preserving muscle mass, cell growth, energy, sex drive, all kinds of other stuff. There's a couple of other things that do it like explosive plyos and sprints, but nothing like heavy strength training. And here's a cool side note speaking of hormones. You ever heard of myokines? Hope molecules? When you contract your muscles, your muscles make a hormone called a myokine. And they have an incredible impact on your mood. It's part of the reason you feel so good and so euphoric after you lift. In fact, they're listing intense exercise at the top of the pile ahead of medications for depression and PTSD and all kinds of other trauma, especially in our military folks. And then the last piece of the puzzle is heart health. It makes your heart stronger more efficient. Improved circulation, blood vessel elasticity. All of that means less effort by your heart to get the same job done, which equals a lower blood pressure. I freaking know people that can't walk to their car without getting winded and their heart pounding, would never dare take the stairs, right? They're so unhealthy and so out of shape that they can't do anything like that. starts to limit everything you can do. I can't imagine adjusting my life because I can't physically do something basic like go up a set of stairs or walk to get the car. Why would you want to restrict yourself like that? It's all exercise. If you get your nutrition right, the only other piece is exercise. Consistent heavy strength training also reduces chronic inflammation, which causes a lot of other problems, lowers the risk of cardiovascular disease because your heart and your valves and your lining and your tissues aren't inflamed. More heart health. And here's a bonus too. Mitochondria, heavy strength training promotes the growth of new mitochondria. Mitochondria is basically responsible for energy production or ATP, adenosine triphosphate. You want more, healthier, better, more efficient mitochondria, heavy strength training. Overall gaining lean muscle mass, physical appearance, looking a certain way is great, but it's by far the lesser benefit by comparison. But it's the one that everybody talks about. It's because you can brag about it and because you wear it on your sleeve and you look a certain way. We're all vanity driven to an extent. So it's on top of the pile. And if that's what you want to hang your hat on, as long as you're doing it and you're doing it consistently, you're getting all this other stuff. But the people that I worry about are the people that don't care about that. I'm not trying to be big. I don't want to be muscular. I don't want to look like you. Women that say, I don't want to be big and muscly and bulky. You're not going to be. So they don't lift. And they don't get all the other benefits. They're the real ones that we're worried about. So here's some guidelines for it all. What heavy is. How to find what your heavy is. How you should start if you're not lifting already. How you should start. And how much you should do. And how often you should do it. And before we get into that. The two rules that I'm going to tell you when I refer to lifting at all. Are going to be full range of motion. Unless you're deliberately trying to work on a specific range of motion for. I don't know a bench press or. Partials for a rehab or something like that. In general, full range of motion. As far as your joint can move in this direction and in that direction. And then form. Form and full range of motion should always apply. So first, what is considered heavy lifting? And we talked about that a little bit earlier. 70 plus percent of your 1 to 2 rep max. That's what's necessary for hormone response, ligament and tendon stress, strength gains. All the things that you want are going to come in that range of 70% so how do you find your heavy how many reps is that so let's use i don't know let's use curls as an example we did that earlier so let's say i pick up 50 pounds and i curl it and with all out effort i can get 14 reps then it's too light so then i I drop that and i pick up 100 pounds all out effort again everything i've got and i get five reps yeah that's too heavy Right? When you start getting into the four, three, four, five rep range, you're just begging for injury. That's just too heavy, especially if you're not schooled in it and you don't know great form and you don't know how to adjust yourself for that type of heavy weight, don't do it. The risk-to-reward ratio is just not there for that type of lifting. It's why I don't do heavy bench press and heavy uh, deadlifts anymore. All right? I'm a fan of both, but I don't do them because the risk-to-reward ratio is not there for me to lift those heavy anymore. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to go to failure or one rep shy, somewhere between, let's say, six and ten reps. That's what I would consider to be heavy, six to eight, six to ten reps. So using that formula above, failure, meaning you can't move the weight anymore. If we're talking about curls, it would be the point that once you touch your legs and you try to come back up, no matter what you do, you can't get that weight back up. You have went to positive failure. There's mechanical and negative failure and other stuff too. I won't get into that today. That's a whole different thing. But not being able to do your set adequately anymore is failure. So what's the difference between a man and a woman in the gym? Simple answer. Zero. Not in the gym. Women tell me all the time, I can't lift heavy because I get big and bulky. I don't know how many women I've had tell me that over the years. I don't work out. I don't like to pick up heavy weights because I just put on so much muscle mass so fast I get bulky. No, you don't. No, you don't. Especially after 30 years old, you don't. You aren't going to get bulky, especially by accident even naturally probably after 30 years old you're not going to get bulky men try with all their might hours in the gym supplements steroids drugs consistency heavy lifting whatever they can do to get big and bulky and they can't do it what makes you think you're going to do it by accident you may be getting a pump looking at yourself in the mirror after you get a pump You may be eating wrong and gaining fat, eating too much food because your appetite has changed, or holding water, but you're not accidentally gaining a bunch of lean muscle mass too fast. You'd be a miracle. It's just not happening. I've worked with women in the past that want to put muscle mass on, and it is a very deliberate, very hard road to put on 5 pounds or 10 pounds. Most of the women you see that are big and bulky like that have taken Whatever they needed to take and done whatever they needed to do for decades to get there. In addition to perfect nutrition and perfect training and perfect genetics, it takes a mix of it all. Don't worry about getting big and bulky. You're not going to do it. Physiologically not possible for you to do. So what's the minimum you need to do? I know studies will tell you that one time a week for 30 to 60 minutes increases life expectancy by like 10 to 17%. And if you go two days a week, same time, 30 to 60 minutes, you're up to like 30%. Here's what I would tell you. My advice to maintain, if you're at a place where you're trying to maintain your muscle mass, you don't want to put any on, you're not trying to change your physique much, 30 minutes, three days a week, minimum. And you can do all kinds of different workouts, full body, three-day split, upper-lower split, whatever. But for maintenance, I'd mix it up a lot anyway, 30 minutes, three days a week. And then my advice, if you're trying to gain good lean muscle mass, if you're in a position where you're trying to put muscle mass on... Five times a week, 45 to 60 minutes. A lot of different things work though, guys. Old school bro split, that's always been my favorite. One body part a day, destroy it, give it a week to rest, do it again. But you can do upper lower split, push pull split, whatever. I know guys that are in great shape that do all kinds of different stuff. Don't let anybody tell you that only one thing works. All right, let's get into my top 12 favorite exercises. These 12 exercises have become the the foundation of my heavy strength training program over the years. These are my staples, ones that I will do forever. I think these are some of the single best exercises. They come with a lot of variety built into each one of them. And we're going to start this list off with what I consider to be the single best exercise ever conceived, squats. Deep, full range of motion squats, full flexion, full extension. At the bottom of the movement, there should be no light between your hamstrings and your calves. Deep barbell back squats. Number two, walking lunges, not stationary lunges, good exercise, just a different exercise, barbell walking lunges. Now you can use dumbbells. I just don't because I don't want to focus on my grip and my core as much while I'm doing legs. So I use a barbell. Number three, stiff leg deadlifts. This is good replacement for leg curls, whether it's seated or lay down leg curls. It's a good isolation movement for hamstrings and glutes different than the deadlifts that I talked about earlier. Next, overhead strict presses. You can use barbell. You can use dumbbell. You can use wide grip. You can use narrow grip. You can do behind the neck. All kinds of different variations to this, but overhead strict press. Next one is dumbbell side laterals. Again, a lot of variety. You can do single side laterals, dual, seated, standing, 45 degree, all kinds of variations to that. All dumbbell side laterals. It's one of the reasons I love it so much. is a lot of variety. Next one is my very favorite chest exercise ever dumbbell or machine chest flies. And again, you can vary grip. You can do flat, you can do incline, you can do decline. There's a lot of variety to chest flies, but chest fly is my favorite chest exercise ever. Next is push ups. Again, you can vary grip, you can do them inverted, you can do decline. A lot of variety there. Push ups should always be a staple in your routine. Same as the next one, which is going to be pull-ups. Again, you can do overhand, you can do underhand, you can do wide grip, you can do narrow grip. All kinds of variety, but those two things, push-ups and pull-ups, always in the routine. Next one is dumbbell curls. Again, if you look at it, tons of variety, right? You can do alternating, you can do dual, you can do seated, you can do standing, you can do incline. All kinds of variety should always keep those in your routine. Tricep press-downs, overhead. V-bar, rope, a lot of variety. And then the very last one, one of my other favorite chest exercises. This is a good chest opener. Great for stretching your shoulders. Great for core. Great for back. Dumbbell pullovers. In particular, cross bench dumbbell pullovers. Lay perpendicular to the bench so that it supports your entire upper back. Really good stretch with the dumbbell. Control the movement. Use a spotter if you need to. All right, guys. Thank you for being here. If you have any additional questions and you want them answered on my Q&A podcast, just email me an audio clip with your name and question. For programming information, questions about Genesis, to see if you qualify for alchemy, book a call with me in the link in the show description below. I'm out. For more content, be sure to like, subscribe, and follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. See you.